Hi, it's Jennifer Diane Ghostin, and welcome to Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land. You, the listening audience, will have the opportunity through episodes in this podcast to learn, dissect, and grapple with some of the issues involving those of us separated from our biological family. You may have wondered what reunion looks like from an adoptee's point of view, or be embarking upon taking that journey yourself to search for your first family, or simply want confirmation that you are not alone in your experience, wherever you are on the path of healing and pushing through a trauma. Wouldn't it be empowering to have many of your burning questions answered here? May is National Foster Care Awareness Month, so it is a privilege to have a conversation with Marnie Jamison. Over the past 24 years, she has fostered 80 kids in the Chicagoland area and adopted two of those children. She has three biological children and has been an exemplary member of the foster care community as an adoptee herself. Her loving stepfather raised her when her biological mom was unable to. Marnie credits him for providing her with the parental nurturing any child deserves. Marnie and I met through a mutual friend this year and instantly made a connection via FaceTime and Zoom. She is the first person deeply involved in foster care that I have had the opportunity of speaking in depth with about the subject, and that's why I asked her to have this conversation. I'm so glad you're taking this time to um, have a conversation with me. Uh, I'm really excited because this will air during May, you know, National Foster Care Awareness Month. So, Marnie, tell us about yourself. Do you want my age or whatever you want to <laughs> share? Like, um, you're an adoptee, you can start there. Okay. Well, I was adopted at 50 by my stepfather. He waited a long time to make it official. And then finally, at 50, he was like, okay, we're getting older. And if something happened to him, he didn't want me to have any issues uh, with belongings or uh, any, you know, I don't know how to explain it. Um, just being his beneficiary. Right. So two weeks ago, I found out that the person who was on my birth certificate, who I wasn't sure if he was my biological father, is actually my biological father. So he's passed away, but I do have contact with his family. So that was kind of exciting to find out. So you uh, didn't know if he was your biological father, even though his name was on your birth certificate. Tell us why. My mom decided to tell two people that they were my father. And the one that we actually thought was my father was the one that I was seeing. And it wasn't the one that was on my birth certificate. Okay. So I went to visits with him as opposed to the one that actually was my father. One day they showed up at my door and they said, oh, I think we might be family. Uh, his sister did. And turns out she was right. My daughter was playing around with ancestry and she took the test and found out that those were our real relatives. They popped up immediately mm. under her DNA. So 
was kind of cool. I'm like, I know those people when I saw it. Right. I called to tell them that we know it's official now, and she screamed in my ear. Um, like a, a good scream? A good scream, yes. <laughs> she, she's like, I told you, I knew, I knew, because it's really strange. She had three children. I had three children. And our third child, which was the youngest, was uh, we both had two girls and one boy. And her son's name is Joshua, and I named my son Joshua. And then my grandma has the same birthday as me. So there are a couple of coincidences in the family, which we never, we didn't know each other when we named our children, our last child. And turns out we had the same amount and both had a Joshua. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, that is cool. So when you were growing up, you were raised by your mom, right? No, I was actually, I I was raised with my mom until I was six. And then my stepfather took me and raised me because she wasn't capable of raising me. Okay. Did he remarry or? No, no. So your stepfather raised you. Yeah, I was very attached to him. He's, he's awesome. He just, he fell in love with me because I was one. I, I'm pretty sure when they got married and he fell in love with me. And when she couldn't take care of me, he decided I'll do it. And I mean, I had a good life. I went to private school and we lived on the beach or the lake, actually the lake. <laughs> Very good upbringing. So I lucked up. I did luck up. Being a foster parent, I know (laughs) what being lucky is. (laughs) So I really lucked up with him. So you get to age 50 and he makes it official. Yes. Finally. That's really something. I started pressuring him. I said, with the kids that I deal with, with me doing foster care, I needed it to be official. Just for myself. Right. I wanted it. It just started being important. I don't know what the older I got. So he made it official. That's really special. And so let's talk about foster care. You've been fostering. You've been involved in foster. 24 years. Wow. Where do you want to start? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Well, I started, uh, I know 24 years exactly because my first foster child was actually my child that I adopted. And I pushed really hard to get my license to go through. And I went through in two months and I was told that that never happens. I didn't want her to go to someone else. She was in a shelter. And I didn't want her to go to someone else. So I pushed and pushed and pushed. I can be obnoxious. (laughs) And I got her in my home immediately. And then, of course, 24 years later, (laughs) she is still mine. (laughs) She's. But that's how I started. I started out just volunteering in shelters. And someone said, oh, you should foster. And I was in the process of trying. So I've had... Ooh, it's 80 now. I've had 80 kids in the past 24 years come wow. through my home. 
And now I'm a professional foster parent with this new therapeutic program that I'm actually a part of. That and, that's the program that originated in Oregon? Yes. Oh, yeah. Tell yes. us about that. It was started with older children, uh, teenagers. And we actually do children that are 6 to 13. And we try and catch them uh, early enough to be able to prepare them to either go to residential or to a home. So kids come into our program, they have been in 10 or more placements, and we have a structured program with a life skills coach and a counselor and three caseworkers. One caseworker is the bad guy, so anytime we have to give out any kind of, I'm not sure which word, discipline or punishment, <laughs> but she actually does it for us so that we don't have to be the bad guy. Our job is just to be the cheerleader for the kids, to just be positive, work on their self-esteem, show them a routine. We have charts that we have to do every day for them um, to tell if they brush their teeth, wash their face, just a daily routine, things that we take for granted <clears throat> that they've never done. They're severely traumatized. They are abused um, neglected, or physical abuse, neglect, uh, sexual abuse. So they have severe issues. Um, it's the top level. It's almost the level after specialized foster care, which is a lot in itself. So we're at the top with the with the trauma, and we have a psychiatrist a personal psychiatrist for our kids. So they have wonderful services in place for these kids to help them succeed, but they have to want to succeed or the program doesn't work. Yeah, sounds like it's a really good team. It's great. And we support each other. It's a group of 10 foster parents and we all support each other. We get four days of respite a month. And I am now on my third child in the program. I have two that graduated and one that's going to residential. Her issues are just a little bit more than a home can handle. She needs more intense care. So she will be going to residential. So you, out of all the children that you, kids, young adults that you fostered, how many have you adopted? Two. Two. Okay. Wow. Oh, I still have my comebacks, too. I have uh, two or three that still call me mom, and I've kept in contact with them. One is 30 now, 31 maybe, and the other one's 22. Mm. And they both keep in contact. Uh, and then I have a little girl that's 13 that I still keep up with. Has she been adopted? No, she's sitting in residential. She she really wants to come back to me. So any home that she's been in, she's sabotaged because she doesn't want to be there. She wants to come back. Do you think she will? Mm -mm. Okay. At 18, she can come visit. Her issues were just too, too much for long term. Our program's only 12 to 15 months. And so that's why I joined because I've had so many kids that at this point, it helps to have a departure date. 
mm-hmm. because I don't want to adopt anymore. It, it's it's hard. I mean, that's a lot of kids that have come through. Plus, I have five of my own. I'm not adopting anymore. <laughs> well, what would you tell someone that is thinking about fostering children? Regular foster care is wonderful. <laughs> um, I wouldn't recommend my program to someone who isn't seasoned. <laughs> um, but regular foster care, absolutely. Absolutely. I loved regular foster care. <laughs> I love my program more, but you have to have experience under your belt because you're getting very savvy kids. They're they're great manipulators. And if you don't know what you're doing, they will walk right over you. <laughs> um, because a lot of people come into foster care thinking, oh, we're going to save the world or, you know, um, I want to make a difference. And sometimes you do, sometimes you don't, but you have to be prepared for that. Um, but I, I love it or I wouldn't do it, of course. Right. Um, and I do recommend it to people, but just be prepared. It's not, it might not be what you think you're getting into. Yeah. Like with a lot of things, right? It's just like, yeah. once you get into it, you're like, whoa, I didn't know. Yeah. It was, I had no, and, and there's no way you would know, you know, you, it's until you really get into it. But there are things that I, I would imagine someone could prepare themselves to a certain degree for what challenge you took on like that's really huge when I think 80 kids um that's big and I'm not I wasn't prepared for this program (laughs) right is there a particular story that I don't know makes you feel most proud of your contribution to another human being's life yes my first child in this program. Uh, can I say her name? Is she Just a, her first name? Or? Yes. Yeah, it's a nickname. Okay. Her, her name was Cece. And she came to me and she was 10 years old and like 123 pounds. And she, ha- she was pre-diabetic. So she was on medication for that. She, um, oh, what was it? She had, like, how do I put it? Behavior problems. Uh, She really wasn't connected to anyone. Uh, The way she connected to me. And she lost 23 pounds while I had her. She wasn't pre-diabetic when she left my home. She did so wonderfully. My friend said when she met her, she's like, she rolled her eyes at me and I was through with her. (laughs) And I was like, oh, that's so funny. I didn't know she did that because she was one of my best kids. She tried so hard. We had birthday parties and everybody else was having cake and ice cream. And I said, well, you know, you can't have that. And I gave her a bowl of fruit and she was happy. And nobody else had gotten her to that point, we worked hard, really hard um, to get her behavior under control. And she had all A's in school. And she was just amazing. She really, really worked to become a better person or a better her, I'll say. 
Um, I just know that I couldn't raise her for the rest of her life. When you described the birthday party and her being okay with the fruit, like, I felt that. Like, I, yeah, she really. That's huge. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, she was like, oh, okay. And she really wanted to be, she liked herself. I mean, she went down like four clothes sizes. Uh, She looked healthy. She was happy. She really came a long way. And I had her 12 months. And in 12 months, we just worked hard. We worked really hard. And she followed the program and she had her fits. She did. But with her, praying worked. And so when she would start having a fit, I'd say, Cece, let's pray. And I'm not big. I mean, I'm not non-religious, but I'm not a religious. I wouldn't say I'm over the top with the religion. And I would pray with her and she would snap out of it. And every time something went wrong and she didn't feel that things were right between us, she'd say, I love you. And I'd say, I love you back. And she said, can I have a hug? And I'd hug her and everything was okay. And she'd go to sleep. Wow. You know, what I hear at times, well, quite a bit in our conversation is the the kid has to want to improve too. Like you do your part, but they have a part to play if there's going to be great success. Mm -hmm. The girl now is fighting me. She wants to do things her way. And we have a set way that things have to go with our program. It's not just like regular foster care. It's uh, regular foster care is a little bit more relaxed, but we have uh, data entries that they're doing for us and we need to have results from our program. And she is just fighting every turn. She tried to run out of the store the other day. You know, she's cursing me, swearing at me all the time. Uh, She has calmed that down a lot, but when she starts, she's on a roll. She loves me. I love her. It's just that for our program, she needs to be making more progress by now. It's been eight months, and she's just not making that progress. And everybody's not a fit. Everybody is not a fit for our program. Right. Yeah, um, I'm just thinking, she's a teenager, right? No, she's eight. Oh, she's eight. She's eight, but she, yeah, you would think she was a teenager. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what you have to watch when you're talking to her because she is very intelligent, but she is a master manipulator. And she manipulated her mother yesterday, and usually the mom can see through that, and she didn't, she missed it. But she's stealing, and she's swearing and she's throwing fits and she won't take her medicine. And so you have to be willing to want to do better. And she'll wake up and she says, she'll say, today is going to be a good day. And then by the end of the day, it's like, oh, well, she meant it this morning. (laughs) But by the end of the day, it's it's over. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So she tries, but she's just not there yet. She needs a little bit more maturity. And she's only eight. But she needs a little bit more yeah. than we can offer her. So the program was featured in the Chicago Tribune. Are you are you still in the Chicago area? Yes. Okay. Yes. And so the and, the article was it, it did a beautiful piece on this program, right? They 
They really did. They featured uh, one of the children I had at the time, and she she was uh, also an eight-year-old. She turned around completely, so it helped the article because she actually made great strides while she was with me. Um, she was a lot easier <laughs> than the one I have now, but she wasn't easier while she was with her family. And so they brought her into our program and she turned around a hundred percent and she's back with her family. So that was one of our success stories. Uh, so she was featured in that article. And then they talked about regular foster care versus the therapeutic program, because this program that we're in is going to be the model for foster care if we are able to get it um, certified. Wow, that's pretty, that's pretty big. It's exciting. It's so exciting. And I was the first one to sign up for the program and the first one to get my license. When I heard about it, I was like, oh, I have to be a part of that. And it was basically <laughs> because it was six to nine months. And I, the last children that I had, it was an 18-month stay. And they were only supposed to be there for like three months. And so this sounded awesome. I'm like, it's a set period of time. I can get results and then the children move on to their families or another foster home and then they'll be adopted. Mm -hmm. wow. So this was like the ideal program for me. Yeah. And they told me it would be challenging. They didn't lie. They told me it would be challenging. Well, and it has been. And I would imagine that makes sense. It would be challenging because if it's going to be the model used in foster care, it, it's going to challenge uh, the way things have been done and the things that need to be done going forward. Like I can imagine it would require so much more from everybody that's a part of it and you guys are pioneering. I think that's really good. Now, out of all of your, your the kids, out of the 80, did, can you tell me how many, or if you even know, were adopted? I know, well, one went back home, and I do know with the other one, he was adopted by family. Um, I couldn't give you a number. I've tried to keep up with some of the children, like look them up on Facebook because now they're adults. But I couldn't tell you out of that number other than the two, because they actually, one came back and found me. When they took him, he broke my heart. It broke my heart. And so she said, well, you can see him once a year. And they've sent him every year since he was a baby to see us. When you say it broke your heart, t tell me why. Because family rules out over foster parents at times. And so he was going to family. And I was pregnant at the time with my son. So I wasn't even thinking adoption, but I didn't know he'd be leaving that early. And I had him at three weeks old till eight months. And I didn't know it would hurt that bad. Mm. <laughs> but when he left, it broke my heart. That was my baby. And so the family was wonderful. I love them to pieces and we have kept up with them for 22 years. So Mm, yes, yeah, see, that reminds me, because, you know, I was in foster care for two years before I was adopted. And when I was in reunion with the family that uh, was uh, fostering me, of course, the parents, my foster mother and father, 
are deceased, but I was able to connect with the kids that were in the house when I was there from four days old to two years. Uh, and the oldest sibling said he was like maybe 17 when I was in the home. Mm-hmm. So he really remembered quite a bit from back in 1964. And I remember him saying that it totally broke their mother's heart when I was adopted because they had tried to adopt, but the, they weren't accepted, you know. So and I know back then I think it was a little more rigorous for foster parents to be able to adopt, you know. So he said that his mom just could not do it anymore. She, she, that I was her first and last because it, oh, was, no. it was too heartbreaking. Yeah, for for her to have to let me go, you know, for adoption. So I, that's why it stuck with me. Like when you said it broke your heart, because I can only imagine, oh. you know, to be attached in two years because I was there f- from four days old. So she, yeah, it was just too much for her. Oh, I I was, oh, I'm sitting in the car, <laughs> just <laughs> bawling when I dropped him off. It was like, okay, I have to go home, but I don't want to leave my baby. And she said, um, the aunt said that even though he was a baby, she said for three weeks, it took him, it was hard for him to adjust. Like he was missing me as much as I missed him. Where they say, you know, you think, oh, it's a baby. It won't matter. No, she said she had a hard time. But she did. She sang him my song. I used to sing You Are My Sunshine to him in the morning. And she continued that. And so that's why I love them. They tried to do things that I did to make him feel comfortable. So she spoiled him rotten. And and now he's he's grown and he's spoiled. (laughs) Right, yeah. But the whole family loves me, and I love them, so it's it's great. It worked out. Yeah. But I, I don't think I could have had no contact. You don't think you could have had no contact? Yeah, I would have been at their door like, can I please see him? <laughs> <laughs> can, can I just stick my head in just to make sure he's okay and... Yeah, but no, they let us keep him for a week. We had him for a couple of his birthdays also. Mm. They let us celebrate his birthdays with him. And then if he wasn't with us, they would invite us to his birthdays. Yeah, I I just can only imagine uh, being connected with a baby and a toddler. You know, like I'm just picturing if I were to foster a baby until two years old, I can't even imagine letting letting that child go like it, it yeah. yeah that just seems like it would be so hard now do you have any recommended resources for the foster care and adoption community our best resource is each other mm. it's just uh, i hate to I say so that agree yeah <laughs> it really is <laughs> um i talk to old caseworkers uh i I mean, I just, we make our own kind of connection. Now, they do have groups, support groups for foster parents. But since we're such a small group, we're our own kind of support system. There are some great books out there, too. I don't I don't get to read a lot because I tend to vegetate in my spare time. Um, but there, I'm sure. There are great resources. I just don't know a lot of them because I've always used foster parents. 
Mm-hmm. They're the best people to vent to because they're going through the same thing that you're going through. And they really help like, oh, try this or try that. And it, it makes it a pretty good network or <laughs> resource for for us. So do you connect with them mostly, say, on social media or how how do you get in contact with each other? We call each other. So you have the, you have each other's numbers through the program? Mm-hmm. Okay. Every, I would say I have one friend that I have two friends that call every day because my friend is getting ready to get a new child and she's asking me, should she do it? And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) He sounds pretty, pretty involved and Mm -hmm. she's older. So I'm thinking of her age also, but she loves those kids to death and she just has so much love to give them. I think she could handle it if she if she takes on this new child. Yeah. Well, is there anything I didn't ask you that you want to share or leave the um, the audience with? Uh, one thing, and I don't know if it pertains to anything else, but I do understand how important it is to children for children to be adopted, as opposed to just fostering them for long periods of time. Uh, I now understand (laughs) myself being adopted, (laughs) um, how important it is to not just feel like you're not a permanent part of a situation or a family. It causes just feelings of instability. So I can see why children need to be adopted. I didn't always understand that, but now I I understand much better now (laughs) myself being adopted later on in life. Yeah, yeah, I think it is pretty important too. Um, I I think as an adoptee, there, the permanency of of being in this new family, even though I'm sure I was attached in the foster home and was probably as young as two years old, wondering what the heck is going on, you know? Like, oh no! I just because I I remember when my one of my grand kids was two and he would hang out with me for the weekend and we'd have a ball we'd go to the park and when his mom showed up you know it was like you know nana it was really cool hanging out with you like I you know like he even at two it was clear to me that he could have a great time with me but he the the idea of his mom coming back to pick him up meant everything so um yeah I just think Permanency is important because it does give you a sense of stability. You know, as you're saying, it, it's like, okay, maybe the ground is not is not going to fall out from under me. You know, like maybe I can yeah. go on to concentrate on other things because there's so much in life, other things in life that you want to attend to and be a part of. And and so you got to know that you're on some steady ground. I guess that's what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. So, well, I thank you for taking the time to have this conversation with me. And I, and I salute you. I like totally cheer you. Like 80 kids as a foster parent is just amazing. And I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you are. (laughs) I'm retiring at 100. When I get to 100, I'm retiring. Oh, wow. That's like right around the corner. I know. I know. (laughs) But that's okay. (laughs) I'll I'll be regaining my sanity at this point in time. (laughs) Yeah. Well, 
Thank you again. Oh, well, thank you for including me. (laughs) When Marnie said she was adopted at 50 years old, I bet that was a shocker. I know it was for me. But it was evidence that every adoption story has its own unique qualities. I believe that there's a spectrum of adoptee experiences within the community, and I embrace inclusion of anyone whose family dynamics stray from tradition. I was excited to hear about the groundbreaking program out of Oregon that Marnie was the first to sign up for and is slated to be the model used in foster care throughout the country. I don't remember my first two years spent in a foster home, but I choose to believe that I received the same type of nurturing Marnie gives to young lives that cross her path. Excellent fostering cannot be overstated as being essential in a young person's life. I am in agreement with Marnie that it is the ideal situation that foster children not remain in foster care, but rather return to a thriving environment back with their biological family or be adopted whenever possible for a sense of stability found in a healthy home. Thank you for being here, and I hope you come back to Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land. If you seek to be an ally of the adoption community, I hope you will consider making a donation to keep the show going at patreon.com forward slash adopteeland. Your contribution allows me to present a weekly episode free of advertisement and is greatly appreciated to add a valuable resource to the adoption community.